Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 187 of the Mo Money Podcast. Another fun bonus episode on this Thursday. Uh, for this episode, I'm very excited to have Brad Evanson on the show. He's the Director of Communications and Public Affairs for the Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation, otherwise known as CDIC. Um, I think uh, everyone needs to listen to this episode in Canada. Even if you live in the States, a lot of this actually can apply to you because in the States, you've got FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is very similar to uh, the Canadian uh, version. So uh, basically, if you don't know what CDIC is, if you don't actually know how your um, you know, cash or term deposits are protected by the banks, if you don't know what would happen if uh, – the banks went bankrupt in Canada, you need to listen to this episode because there's so much, even still in 2019, there's so many people that don't understand how kind of the banking system works and how uh, we wouldn't, especially in Canada, uh, things are a little bit different in the States, uh, but still there is FDIC. But in Canada specifically, which we're going to be talking about in this episode, uh us Canadians, our funds are protected. Uh, we will not lose all of our life savings if there is a failure in a Canadian banks. This used to happen in the past before CDIC existed. So maybe that's, I think, why there's a lot of misinformation or or people thinking that we can lose all of our money and you know it's, it's safe to just to, you know just keep some cash under your bed. Oh my God, never do that. Never do that. So uh, this is a, a really great episode. I think you're going to love it. We're going to talk about um, just a lot of important things I think everyone needs to know about uh, banking in Canada and your savings and, and, and feeling more secure and confident about uh, keeping your money at the bank uh, or a credit union or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, let's just get to this episode with Brad Evanson from CDIC. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Brad. I'm excited to chat all things CDIC with you for this episode. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So before we dive in, because I've got a, a bunch of questions, um, tell me a little bit about you and, and your background. You're the Director of C Communications and Public Affairs at CDIC. Um, but before that, you were the Deputy Director at the Federal Department of Finance and spent nearly 20 years also working in journalism. So a very interesting uh, career you've had. Uh, it's true. I sort of combined uh, two uh, um sort of university degrees that I had, uh, one in economics and the other one in journalism. Mm -hmm. uh, not able to find a job at first in economics, I went and became a reporter. And mm -hmm. uh, and then that experience led me into the federal government where I went to work for the Department of Finance, working on the um, the federal budget every year. So uh, spending, mm -hmm. you know, six months putting out this giant document on the economy and what uh, Ottawa was going sp to spend over the coming year. So, yeah. uh uh, that and that led me to uh, a job at CDIC. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have a personal experience with um, the federal budget. I used to work for a law firm, and I don't know if you know this, but law firms take the federal budget very seriously. They're always like, like so anxious to be the first one out the gate to have some sort of article or kind of guide about you know really breaking down what the federal budget means. And so mm -hmm. for a couple of years, I would be like the lucky one that had to stay up or start work at midnight and stay up all night just prepping all this content that the lawyers were writing to put onto the website. And we called the federal budget FedBud, and I'm not sure if anyone else did, but that's FedBud was a thing at this law firm. It was a big deal every year. <laughs> well, for for the the moment you 
you uh, started that shift was when I stopped my shift. So for I know, three you went four, to bed and I started. Five <laughs> months, fed bud was all that I had on my mind, and probably oh, I had written twenty-seven versions of it by the time uh, oh. it was tabled in the House of Commons. Yeah, that sounds really difficult. I I, I feel sorry like that. Uh, yeah, that sounds tough, but you know, important, important stuff. <laughs> so now you're with CDIC. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's, you know you have a, a lot of kind of experience, I guess, with the journalism and working with uh, the Department of Finance. Uh, what's your kind of role with CDIC now? So my role is director of communications. So that means mostly communicating with all Canadians about deposit protection in all mm-hmm. kinds of different ways. Uh, it includes advertising uh, because it's important that. Uh, we advertise to all Canadians because after more than 20 years without a bank failure, people don't believe that banks could actually fail and that mm. they need any deposit protection. Um, but we also do a lot of work in social media. We talk to journalists. We talk to people like yourself, influencers and uh, parliamentarians mm. and everybody trying to make sure that they're uh, aware of you know what deposit protection is because ultimately uh, it doesn't work to help protect uh, depositors or the financial system if people don't know that it's there. If, mm-hmm. uh, if at the first sign of trouble, um, people, uh, you know, ran to the bank to take all their money out of the bank altogether, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they could do an awful lot of damage to that institution. And if it wasn't in trouble in the first place, it certainly would be by the time um, people took all their money out of their checking account uh, on the same day. No, absolutely. When I, um, you know, before this interview, did a bunch of research about CDIC, even went so far as to find, uh, there were some great resources on the website, but I found this one, um, it was like an ebook, basically, that went, I mean, if anyone really wants to read it, I'll include in the show notes, but it's like a very detailed historical account of how, like, how Canada was before CDIC, and then, you know, why it was um, put into place and kind of what its role is. It's like the most detailed thing I've ever uh, read about CDIC, but it's very, very fascinating. And what I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, like a, a lot of people don't know it exists. Um which is sort of a good thing because it just means like we're so we feel safe and comfortable with our banks. Um, but I think it's important for people to know. Um, and uh, just it's interesting learning about, yeah, kind of what Canada was like and the banking system was like before CDIC. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, sure. just, you know, why CDIC, CDIC was put in place because of some of the things that happened before it existed? Well, Canada has a, a long, in fact, Canada's, uh, uh, the, the very first crisis uh, that uh, the Canada's very first government um you know, had to confront, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more than, uh, well, a hundred and how many more years ago now mm. was, uh, was the, the prospect of a bank failure. And, uh, in, you know, within the cabinet, um, you know, the finance minister wanted to bail out this bank because he didn't want it to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the, the new government, most of them, you know, who hadn't been in their jobs, uh, you know, even a couple of weeks yet, didn't want to do that. It was a big uh, battle. And ultimately, mm-hmm. our first finance minister resigned uh, in anger uh, because uh, the government elected not to bail out this bank. So bank oh, wow. runs and bank failures were a thing in Canada. They mm-hmm. happen quite often. And, uh, you know, going going through the, um, you know, the Depression years and after the Second World War, it was not uncommon for trust companies or banks uh, mm-hmm. to become insolvent. And uh, it, it, beginning in the 1960s, you know, the government began taking a very careful look at this and decided that it had to follow uh, the lead that uh, 
the United States took uh, some years back before then and said, mm-hmm. you know, we need a we need a deposit insurance scheme that will give Canadians uh, uh, some assurance that in the event the bank fails, that they're not going to lose all their money. Uh, mm-hmm. They recognize that ordinary Canadians, you know, don't scour the stock pages and, you know, uh, try to figure out if the bank that they're banking at is safe and if it's on, mm-hmm. you know, good solid ground every day. They said, look, f- the government is going to set up this corporation that will do that for them. It'll keep a close watch on the banks. And most importantly, um, it will give Canadians assurance that they can safely save their money and not, mm-hmm. uh, and not have to worry about it uh, when they read something in the headlines. Yeah, I think we're kind of lucky. Like for me, I've always lived with, uh, you know, banking with uh, institutions that are members of CDIC. So we, I think probably it wasn't really, you know, it was our grandparents or great grandparents that dealt with like kind of that time that you mentioned where it was very common for banks to fail. And so we, you know, are kind of lucky in that we we don't know what that experience is like. But still, I find when I talk to people, um, there's still lots of kind of misinformation. I mean, it is not maybe common, but I have had conversations with people that do believe that if something happens to the bank, um, they will lose their savings. And I, I feel like part of that could be um, just, yeah, just not knowing anything about CDIC, but also uh, getting confused with Canada and other countries because other countries have different structures, especially when, you know, we kind of look back at the Great Recession that happened in the States and all those bailouts and all that thing. I think sometimes Canadians get confused. You're like, well, did that happen here or what happened? And could I lose my savings? And that's when they kind of start getting into weird you know, crazy mode by, oh, I'm just going to keep some cash in my wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not not a very good idea. The uh, one thing that most Canadians don't realize is that we have had a lot of bank failures uh, since mm-hmm. CDIC was formed. We've had over 40 failures, uh, you know, since 1967. Uh, and no Canadian lost a single dollar of deposits that are protected by CDIC. So maybe... First of mm-hmm. all, uh, you know, because the last one happened in the 90s, uh, it was too long ago to remember. But um, mm-hmm. it amounted to a lot of money and millions of Canadians uh, are the beneficiaries of uh, uh, CDIC protection that uh, they either got. If the bank closed, they received their money uh, in, uh, by check from uh, from CDIC or mm-hmm. uh, when the bank was on the brink of failure, uh, we arranged uh, for it to be sold to another bank and um the, the the customers probably didn't notice anything happening at all, but mm-hmm. uh, it was a way that we protected them as uh, as we're meant to do. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny what you say about uh, you know the the you know the events that happened uh, mm-hmm. you know in the United States uh, during uh, during the last global crisis, um, and it was something that really opened our eyes here at CDIC. We had just assumed that because most Canadians are protected, uh, that um, you know they'll know they're safe and everything will mm-hmm. be fine. But during that crisis, uh, there was a, a bank run in the United Kingdom on a bank called Northern Rock Bank. And Do you want to explain quickly what a bank run is, just bank, in case a someone doesn't know A bank run is what happens... If you've ever seen A Wonderful Life or if you've seen Mary yes. Poppins, uh, <laughs> uh, you know that you know that um, uh, there, a rumor gets out there that there's something wrong with this bank. And, and in the age of social media, rumors really travel. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, bad news uh, gets out quick. And uh, people say, you know what, I, got, I better get my money out of there because uh, better safe than sorry. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to the ATM or I'll, I'll go to the bank and I'll, I'll, I'll clean up my checking account. And when everybody does that at the same time, um, first of all, uh, it, that can make an awful dent uh, in the bank's uh, um, 
uh, liquid assets or what mm-hmm. they have on hand at any one time. But, but you know, people, people see lineups on television. They start getting worried. They phone their mm-hmm. friends. Everybody ends up in that lineup. And as I say, if that bank was in a hint of trouble before, it's definitely in a lot of trouble now. And uh, mm-hmm. just like in Mary Poppins, uh, the bank, <laughs> the bank collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in the United Kingdom, they had not had a bank run uh, before 2008 in 150 years. Wow! But uh, there was a report on the on the BBC, the the British Broadcasting uh, uh, Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, that said this particular bank, Northern Rock, is running out of money. They have to they have to go to the central bank and get some more money. They're in a bit of trouble. That was enough to trigger a crisis, and uh, within 24 hours, um, that bank was teetering on the brink. Of oh, failure wow. because uh, thousands of people lined up in the streets and took all their money out of the bank. And one of the things that, uh, you know, in the years that followed uh, and the public inquiries uh, into the situation th- uh, that was discovered was not that they didn't have deposit protection in the UK because they had a form of deposit protection, but that nobody knew what it was. Mm-hmm. That, that, and people would say, well, how can I trust what I don't know about? So right. when we looked at our own operations here in Canada, we thought, we need to make sure that not only the people are protected, but they know about it or else deposit protection isn't going to work for anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so just to kind of, um, uh, in, in short, in, in a very simple way, mm-hmm. CDIC works in that it is basically insurance that these banks have to be, uh, that have to pay into mm-hmm. and, uh, are members of, and it's the kind of banking customers that, um, are protected by it. Is that kind of how it works? Right. So uh, banks, uh, there's, uh, we, have, we have 82 member banks. Uh, people are familiar with the big six mm-hmm. banks like the Bank of Montreal and RBC, but there, there are many others. And they pay to be members of CDIC. In fact, you can't have a banking license in Canada unless you're a member of CDIC. That's, mm-hmm. that's part of being in the business. And they pay premiums to us so that uh, in the event one of them should fail, uh, we would ensure that the depositors get all their money back. Or in, or in many cases, uh, that the depositors might not even notice that their their bank had been purchased by another bank. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because we would uh, we would help out with that. So, uh, uh, for depositors, it's free. It's automatic. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sign up uh, as long as you uh, bank with a. Uh, a CDIC member, and you can tell by uh, that it's a member by that big purple logo on the front door, or if you mm-hmm. go on the bank's website, you'll see our our purple logo with a lock, or on their app, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's even inside your banking pages. You know that that means that your money is protected. So you mentioned that um, in order to basically be a bank in Canada, you have to be a member of CDIC. Are there any kind of financial institutions in the country that are not members that people should know about? Or? There are other uh, financial institutions where you can save uh, your money in Canada. For example, credit unions, and mm. that's not to say that they are uh, your money is not protected there. Each province has its own uh, deposit protection scheme, uh, right. and and so deposits in in credit unions are protected, but individually by each separate province. Whereas right. CDIC is a uh, is a national scheme. So if you're a bank that wants to operate in more than one province, uh, you have to be a member of CDIC. Okay. So is there basically no way that you could, you know, deposit cash at some sort of financial institution in the country and not be 
protected by either the province or CDIC? That's right. For a, a, if you're a credit union or a or a bank or a trust company, uh, one way or another, you are protected by some level of government. Okay. Well, that should be comforting to people, I think. But I think um, the one thing that, you know, that is very simple, I think, to understand at this point. But I think that the complicated part is when we get into kind of the minutia of how it actually works. Because, you know, on the CDIC website, there's a lot of different uh, categories. So do we want to talk a little bit about how much you're actually protected? I think lots of people could probably tell you, oh, I know I'm protected for, I think, $100,000 or something like that. But that's kind of all they know. But there's a lot of different categories and it's per institution. Do you want to kind of touch on uh, some of the most important things there? The way I think of it is is that CDIC protects your savings kind of wherever you're at in life. I'll I'll just I'll just use this Mm -hmm. as an example. Let's say you uh, you know you start out, you get your first bank account. It's in your own name. Uh, That that money uh, that uh, is in that one account uh, is protected up to a hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you get married uh, or you have a partner. Uh, you uh, decide to set up a joint bank account, the money in that account is also protected up to $100,000. So you had the stuff in your own account that was 100. Mm-hmm. This account, this joint account is, is protected up to 100, so 50 each. And then you maybe you want to set up a TFSA because you want to start saving for you know a fancy vacation mm-hmm. or something like that. If the money in your TFSA is in a deposit, that deposit is protected up to $100,000. If you mm-hmm. want to set up an RESP for your child, uh, that's, a, that's a, a trust account. And so trust accounts uh, that have deposits in them are protected up to $100,000. RRSPs, mm-hmm. if you are saving for your retirement, there's 100000 there. So if you, you, at each phase of your life that you might be thinking about some new reason why you're saving, right through and past retirement, there's a CDIC category for you. So mm-hmm. I kind of think of it as, th- instead of saying you have, uh, uh, you know, $100,000 in coverage, think of it as seven different glasses and you can put $100,000 in each one mm-hmm. and it's fully protected. And if you're and lucky you're enough- you're talking with the same institution, right? In the same institution. So if you're lucky enough to have all that money and you still have more that you need to protect, remember that we have 82 members. So you can mm-hmm. spread it out uh, over any one of those. So I feel like if you have $700,000 in cash, <laughs> do something with it. <laughs> it's an awful lot of cash. It's a good it's a position lot of cash. to be in. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, speaking a little bit about cash, that's another thing I think, because you mentioned, you know, RESPs and RRSPs and TFSAs. You're just talking about uh, your cash or your kind of term deposits like a GIC. Those are protected. But, you know, if you're putting, you know, mutual funds or ETFs into those accounts, that's those aren't that's right so it's we only protect deposits so the deposits that you would put into those uh, we call them categories uh if Mm -hmm. you were if you put a mutual fund into your uh, resp or your rsp that uh, is not protected by cdic Uh, it's not to say it might not be protected by some other agency if it were to fail Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, uh, some of them are mutual funds for example but if the value of it goes down well that's uh that's an investment mm-hmm. in the stock market and, and you know, sometimes they go up and sometimes they go down. Yeah, no, I think that's also another thing that just need to be clarified because I, I talk to a lot of people and sometimes that that's 
that's what they're thinking is like, oh, so if I lose money on my investments, I'm protected. It's like, well, no, that's not, <laughs> no, then we'd all, we'd all like make claims all the time. We'd be like, I lost money, please. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a, it's a trade-off sometimes that people have to think about. Uh, you know, you may be able to make more money on investments. You know, there's a big upside, but there's also mm-hmm. a big downside. Uh, the reason why some people, particularly older Canadians who mm-hmm. uh, are saving for retirement and they 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 don't want to lose anything. You know, they may be mm-hmm. willing to live with smaller gains, but they certainly don't want to lose anything. That's a time in life when they start thinking about converting investments that they have into GICs, uh, uh, you know, term deposits with mm-hmm. the bank, because then at least they know what they're going to get and that they're not going Absolutely. to lose any of it. Absolutely. And I know um, going back to the categories, I, I like how you mentioned it's like there's seven different uh, glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said also that's per institution. So, I mean, if you have a problem with you have so much cash and you want to make sure it's all protected, nice then definitely spread it over. Mm-hmm. A nice problem to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know there is, a, uh, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but I know there is an area in your website um, that you can, I think, input some of your details about your banks and how much mm-hmm. money you have in those accounts. And it'll tell you whether all of that or a part of that is protected, which I found very useful. Yeah, it's a very handy tool. It's a deposit insurance estimator. It's built to be simple. You don't have to know very much. Uh, You don't have to know your finances in detail. You just need to know how much you bank or where you bank, how much you've Mm -hmm. uh, got approximately. It won't ask you like uh, to the dollar. You don't have to put that in. Uh, It'll ask you if it's, you know, is it a savings account, checking account? What what is it? And Mm -hmm. and then it'll it'll give you a cue for, you know, what, what category it might be and that's an area where you might you might not think of it because that's kind of more of a CDIC thing than an ordinary mm-hmm. Canadian thing. They don't think, hmm, I've invested my money in a joint account or uh, something like that. But yeah. the categories are there, so you can look at it, and it's not too hard to figure out that, uh, well, that's this is a joint account with my spouse, or yes, I put this in an RRSP, um, and then it'll calculate it for you. And mm-hmm. if you use it once, you'll understand deposit protection. It's, yeah. a, it's a learning tool as well as a, a, a calculator. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that there hasn't been a bank failure in Canada since the nineties. So mm-hmm. that's quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you like, do you think there's just more confidence in, in the banking system amongst Canadians or I don't know, banks have gotten smarter? Well, um, uh- Canadians are pretty conservative, and and the Canadian banking uh, sector is is also pretty conservative. But um, it's also true that after some of the bank failures in the 1990s, the government got a little bit more serious about um, supervising banks. So, in other words, mm-hmm. not telling them what they could do necessarily, but paying attention to what they were doing and making sure that they weren't taking unnecessary risks. And mm-hmm. that system of supervision has been very effective. That's, um, you know, one of our partner agencies, the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, or OSFI for short. Uh, and <laughs> they, uh, uh, you know, they uh, literally send um, supervisors into the banks and who, uh, who work in the mm-hmm. bank or, or spend a, a significant amount of time in each of our banks, uh, you know, sitting with them and just making sure that uh, we understand what the, the bank is up to. And that all, all of that information that they collect is 
confidential, but uh, uh, it allows them to decide whether or not they need to ask the bank to make some changes uh, uh, and to, to sort of keep keep tabs on it. And CDIC also keeps tabs on its member institutions and the mm-hmm. kinds of risks there they take and the financial position they're in. Because if you think about it, we have a lot of money at stake. If one of them were yeah. to fail, we'd have to pay all the depositors their money back. So that's, that's an awful lot. So we take yeah. steps to make sure that, um, you know, the, the bank's, uh, uh, don't take undue risks or, or that sort of thing. So there's an awful lot of regulatory agencies uh, here in Ottawa that are paying attention to them. And I think that may be part of the reason why mm-hmm. uh, that we haven't seen as many failures. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's important. And I think most people have no idea that that's what goes on. You always got to hope that that's what's going on. Cause you're like, who's actually paying attention to these banks? Are they just kind of doing whatever they want? Or, mm-hmm. you know, is people paying attention? Yeah. Um, yeah so I think that's <laughs> important to know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's in, in some ways, um, if you think about it, uh, as I do, uh, you think about fire insurance, you know, you, mm-hmm. uh, if, if, if you have fire insurance, you know, uh, then you maybe you feel safe, but if the firemen are just sitting around the firehouse, uh, the firefighters rather, uh, uh, just playing mm-hmm. cards and waiting for the alarm to ring so that the fire is well and truly burning by the time they get there, well, you know, maybe you'll get your money back, maybe you'll get a new house someday, uh, but it, it's not going to be a great situation. Whereas if the mm-hmm. firefighters were patrolling uh, the streets and uh, the first time uh, a smoke alarm goes off uh, because there's a pot on the stove and they come in and they take mm-hmm. care of it right away, well, um, then that's that's a better situation because, um, you know, perhaps the bank didn't fail or perhaps, um, you know, we arranged the sale of that bank to another one to protect the depositors. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, you don't, you don't send them a check in the mail, but I think that they're, they're happier in the end, uh, if they, um, you know, if their banking isn't affected mm-hmm. at all. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, since there hasn't been a failure since the nineties, so, you know, I think a lot of us are, you know, have never experienced that or never seen that happen, but if something like that does happen in the future, which you never know, mm-hmm. um, is there ever a chance that CDIC won't be able to, you know, afford it? You know, I, 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 this could happen, but what is the likelihood of basically, you know, even though CDIC is here to protect Canadians, what if something happens like several bank failures, several big bank failures happen all at the same time? Is there a likelihood of, you know, not actually having enough funds in the reserves? Well, that, uh, it's important to sort of distinguish between uh, how we would handle certain kinds of failures. Yeah. For example, if okay. a small bank were to fail, you know, it might close and uh, and we would reimburse all the depositors and... Uh, and then we would uh, pursue our losses or, or we would, you know, go, go to court to, uh, to get our money back from the estate of that small bank. But if we're talking mm-hmm. about a very large bank, those banks mm-hmm. um, have to keep uh, extra money uh, as a buffer uh, against failure. So if a very large bank uh, were to get into trouble, um, the first thing that would happen is the shareholders would lose all their money. Because if you think mm-hmm. of, a, of a business, uh, the owners are the shareholders. So they're the the ones who should lose their money first, not the depositors. Mm-hmm. But uh, those large banks are also required to keep very large blocks of funds in place uh, in the form of bonds that are called bail-in bonds. And if a bank were to get into a very serious trouble, the, these these funds would be bailed in, and in other words, they would become part of the bond, the bank's 
funding. And so uh, it's a it's an extra huge extra buffer uh, that, that that would uh, prevent the bank from going out of business or becoming insolvent. Uh, but CDIC would then be in charge of that institution, uh, ta- having taken control of it. We would restructure the bank and, and um, basically fix the problems uh, that it had that led to its uh, its failure mm-hmm. and then sell it back to the uh, the private sector uh, and mm-hmm. depositors uh, would not be affected so their funds would not be touched and the, the, their debit cards would continue to work uh, um, yeah, to, to buy mm-hmm. purchases their financial services would not be affected so that's called resolution which is a little mm-hmm. bit different way of making sure that depositors are protected so we have a, a whole bunch of tools that we can use to make sure that we protect depositors uh, and uh, mm-hmm. they work in different ways but it kind of depends on uh, the size of the bank and and what its circumstances are Absolutely. And I feel like, too, one thing I do hear when I am talking to others about, you know, all the different types of banks and credit unions, some people do have more confidence in the bigger banks because they feel like, well, they're bigger, they have more money. So I feel like that's less likely to happen, whereas the smaller ones that could happen. But I think you've kind of clarified that, you know, whether your bank some are small or big, there's always some form of protection. So that shouldn't be, if, if you, you know, look, the main reason you decide to bank with somebody. If you look back at, you know, at the last financial crisis, some of the largest banks in the world uh, uh, mm-hmm. approached failure or did or did fail. And that was mm-hmm. uh, a big reason why we've done an awful lot of, of uh, you know, policy development here. And for example, the bail-in bonds that I described that, that are now mm-hmm. in place, uh, that, that was all part of the kind of the aftermath of the financial crisis, even though Canada didn't uh, have failures here, you know, mm-hmm. we weren't blind to some of the shortcomings that, uh, that, that we have and, and that, were, uh, that were seen elsewhere in the world. And we worked with other um, resolution authorities, we call them, or, or other depositors mm-hmm. around the world to develop, you know, uh, tools that would work, uh, you know, in circumstances like that in the future. Great. That's great. And yeah, if anyone's listening, not from Canada, do some research to make sure your country has some sort of security. I know in the States there is FDIC and I'm sure other countries, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, have uh, other kind of forms of security, but it's just good to to do your research. And so you can have these answers instead of um, just believe whoever's on the street telling you, oh, it's always good to have a bit of cash at home. <laughs> it's like, no, not necessary in this day and age, I think. Probably not necessary in this day and age, especially when it's very easy to use, uh, you know, uh, debit cards and phones. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of ways now to to pay uh, that that don't involve cash uh, because cash uh, in your pocket doesn't earn interest. Exactly, and uh, I think that's a great place to to leave it. Thank you so much, Brad, for joining me and sharing all your knowledge uh, about CDIC. I really highly recommend everyone check out the website. There's some really great uh, and easy to read and easy to navigate resources. So um, thank you again for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And that was episode 187 of the Momony Podcast uh, with Brad Evanson from CDIC. Make sure to, if you want to learn more and uh, like not just learn more about CDIC, but actually check out that calculator we talked about or 
if you want to get real nerdy, check out that ebook that I was talking about that I read um, all about just kind of the history of banking and bank failures and all that kind of stuff. It's all, it can all be found on cdic.ca. But of course, I will link to all the things that I mentioned um, in my uh, show notes for this episode. So that could be found at jessicmorehouse.com slash 187. Um, other exciting things that I want to mention in case you missed yesterday's episode, which I feel like you should check out. But um, so a couple things. Um, coming up very soon, I'm going to be hosting a Twitter chat uh, for Fraud Prevention Month with Fisco, um, the Financial Services Commission of Ontario, if you don't know what that is. Um, they, you know, you may actually remember Fisco because um, it's like, honestly, surprisingly, when my one of my top downloaded uh, episodes was the one I did um, episode 180 was my last episode of season seven. Um, it was the live recording of my millennial money meetup back in the fall and it was sponsored by Fisco and we talked all about, uh, pensions and investing. So, and retirement planning. So you're definitely going to want to check that out if you haven't. Uh, but anyways. Uh, I'm teaming up with them again to do this Twitter party to uh, kind of promote and discuss uh, how to protect yourself from mortgage fraud because it's actually a really big problem here in Canada and a lot of fraud is going on. And so we're going to kind of chat about it. And of course, the best part, I'm going to give away prizes at the end. I'm going to be giving away some Amazon gift cards uh, so you can do whatever the heck you want with that, you know, Amazon gift card money. Hopefully do something responsible and buy some like personal finance books or something, but you know, do whatever you want. Um, so anyways, you can find more information in the show notes or go to jessicamorehouse.com slash Twitter party and find more information there. Um, another exciting thing I'm going to be doing is I haven't done a webinar in a while, so I thought it was high time I'd do one. And this one is going to be focused on investing because as you know, I have an online investing course called Investing Foundations for Canadians that really goes through all the important things you need to know to become uh, confident about investing and deciding what to do. It really breaks down all of those like things that you think are complicated or sound like jargon. And I, I just like, I really break it down so anyone can uh, understand what the hell an ETF is or what rebalancing a portfolio is or what a portfolio is or, uh, you know, I can go on and on. I had to make a whole course on it because there's so much stuff, but it's very chunkified because I didn't want it to seem like a big dry beast because that's no fun. So anyways, I'm going to be doing a webinar on the topic of just uh, investing, but more specifically, I've been kind of doing some crowdsourcing to find out what are some of the the biggest questions you have about investing. And I'm going to uh, be answering them in this webinar. So actually, if you have some questions about investing and uh, you want to make sure I address them, uh, make sure to email me, jessica at jessicamorehouse.com or, or, or at me on uh, Twitter or Instagram. Find me wherever on social, message me and let me know what your questions are. Um, or again, during the webinar at the end, we're going to do a live Q&A so you can ask me there. Anyway, so go to jessicamorehouse.com slash webinar to sign up. It's all going down March 20th at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So I hope to see you there. All right, that's enough talking because, you know, let's just let's get on with our lives. So thanks for listening to me in your ear once again. I'll see you back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode of the Mo Money Podcast. Thanks so much. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.